Life can get messy at times, but we know with God's promises, He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. I'm so glad that God has a list of promises that are readily available to you and I. Now, I think we all have a list this year because it's Christmas time. We put a list together. Sometimes we have a list of goals that we want to accomplish or maybe even a list of possibilities in our lives. But I want to tell you this, that God's list of promises are far greater than any list you and I can put together of possibilities. It is said that the Bible has over 3,000 promises of God. 3,000. Now think about it. If God has over 3,000 promises readily available to us, why isn't it that sometimes our life isn't filled with God's promises? Like we're just waiting for one thing, much less 3,000. But what we're going to look at today is a story of, of a, a principle that we can learn from that God will show us how we can receive his promises. When we were growing up, we used God as the final, last, almost like the last, uh, the last stamp of approval when you're talking to someone about something that has to do with the truth. You would say something to someone and they say, no, you're lying. They said, I'm not lying. Then they would say, you promise. And I would say, yes, I promise. And then they would say, you promise to? Yeah, it's like you promise to God and that was the last thing. And we even lied about that. Yeah, I promise to God. We were still lying even at those moments because we thought if we said, I promise to God and we were lying, God was going to strike us down. And the first time we lied and he didn't, we felt, man, not that bad. I can lie about the being promising to God. In life, you and I will break promises all the time. But this is what we learn from God. He can't break his promises. There is no possible way for God to break his promises because he's God. 
And so we're going to take a look at a couple of scriptures. In fact, you can take out your notes with me from your bulletin, or if you're using the church app, you can open that up. In your bulletin, you'll see this invitation card, and it says, You're invited, Doris Aoki's 100th birthday celebration. Doris Aoki is one of our elders. She is turning 100 years old, December 29th. That is amazing. And so we're going to be celebrating uh, with her, so you're invited to that. But I look at this woman's life, Doris's life, and she has seen promise after promise after promise. She's someone who prays over you and I as the church. She prays over Heidi and I as uh, the, the pastors and our staff team. She's just an amazing woman, but I can tell you this. If you were to sit and talk with her about the promises of God, there is not one time that she will say, God did not Stay true to his word. He is so faithful. And that's what we're going to learn today, how faithful God is. Because there were many encounters that people came through with, with God, many encounters that they got to see his promises come to pass, many encounters that God challenged people with believing, and he always stayed faithful. And God still gives us opportunities today to see his promises, his promises come to pass so that we could believe. See, believing in God is, is more than just trying to connect with God on a level of spirituality or, or, or a relationship. It's, it's really understanding what this relationship with God is all about. See, when God makes a promise, he must keep it. And at the same time, if we don't believe that his promise will come to pass in, my, in, in, in our lives, then we will miss the opportunity to catch God's promises when they show up. But we got to know what we're looking for. In this story that we're going to look at, Mary's cousin, Elizabeth, was able to encourage Mary to seize the opportunities of God's promises by living them out today. So if you think about seizing the opportunities of God's promises, the only way that happens is is if we begin to live them out today. And we'll get into the story. But I wanted to draw kind of like this, uh, this principle. And if you were to think about this principle throughout this morning as well as uh, God's promises, it'll help us to remember and understand how God's promises come to pass. So whenever God's promise is going to be available, he always gives us an opportunity. So there is always an opportunity. Opportunity. He always gives us an opportunity. He lays it out, and he says, here's an opportunity. What is the opportunity for? Well, opportunity plus seizing it. Because even though God provides an opportunity to receive his promises, I can see it and just say, oh, wow, that's cool. But I got to take that opportunity and seize it. So opportunity plus seizing it plus application I need to do something with that opportunity. Otherwise, it just stays there. Application. And so, opportunity plus seizing it plus application equals God's promises or receiving God's promises. And whenever God gives us that opportunity, if we miss any one of these, then we miss God's promises. And sometimes we look at our marriage and we say, well, I got married, so I got the opportunity, I seized it, but I don't apply anything in my marriage from God's word. 
I just say, what happened, God? I got married. It's supposed to be perfect. Everything's supposed to be great. But she not listening. How come? What happened? Well, there's no application in my life. I'm not applying. So when it comes to God's promises, before every promise, there is a premise. That if I do these things, then I receive this. If my people humble themselves and pray to me, and you know that scripture in, in the book of Chronicles, then I will come and heal their land. It's like there, there's, a, there's something on our part, and God does that as a wonderful father because he wants us to partner with him. He wants us to connect with him, not just to come to him and say, hey, hey, dad, can I have money? And then God says, okay, sure, here you go. We missed these two points. We missed their whole relationship with God. So this morning as we look at this story, know that this principle is weaved all the way through. Now, if you missed last week, what we're going to do is I'm going to give you a, a snapshot picture of what we went through last week so that you can be on the same page today. Last week, we read the book of Luke, chapter 1, verse 26 through 38, and I'll read it so we can have some context for today. It says, the angel Gabriel visited Mary, or visits Mary, who was engaged to a man by the name of Joseph. And the angel says to Mary, greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, well, how, how can this happen since I am a virgin? The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. And what's more, your, your relative Elizabeth, she has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say that she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. And then Mary concluded with, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. So Mary goes through all of that. She sees the opportunity. She sees the opportunity. And then she begins to apply and then eventually receives God's promises. It continues in verse 39. And this is in your notes, Luke chapter 1. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the, the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And then she says this to Mary. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. I'm sure every single one of us, we, we have dreams, hopes, and aspirations. We have goals. We want to do certain things. We want to become something you want to become someone. Well, God sees greater in us than we could ever possibly imagine in ourselves. And because of that, God says, I have my promises available. But here's the question. 
Are you going to stick by my side as I stick by your side? Are you willing to, to, to hang in with me as we together see my promises come to pass? See, Elizabeth had a great purpose in life. Not only did she receive God's promise of having a child in her later years, but she was also instrumental in encouraging Mary. Her role in encouraging Mary was critical to Mary becoming everything that God saw her to be. And you may seem like your life is insignificant. Maybe, maybe you, you feel like, well, I live in obscurity, just like Elizabeth. Nobody knows her, or even Mary. Nobody knows her. Maybe you feel like that, well, no one really knows me. Maybe you don't have any close personal friends who you can trust or, or people that you can rely on or people that you can and, uh, build uh, such friendship with that, that you, can, you can release things together, pray together, encourage each other. Or, or maybe you feel ostracized. Maybe you feel cast out from a group of individuals or maybe you feel left out at work or at school. And it's like God's saying, it doesn't matter if you're well-known or unknown, because I know you. And I know the promises that I have for you. I know the plans that I have for you. And because of that, God will be by your side. You see, every single person can receive the promises of God by understanding how the promises of God work. So we're going to look at three simple ways in receiving the promises of God. In Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18, the Bible tells us, so God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have, we can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. So here's the first thing that we learn. Here it is. Number one, run to God and stay close to him. We know we can run to God, but see, running to God is not really the, the issue. The issue is when I run to him, can I stay close to him? We know we can always go back to God. We know we can always go to God for forgiveness. We can always go to God for prayer and comfort and things like that. But do I stay close to him? That's the opportunity that God gives to us. He's going to present opportunities to stay close to him. He's going to give us opportunities to run to him. The question is, do we run to him? And when we do, do we stay close to him? God's going to give us opportunities to forgive, to trust, to give to serve, to tithe, to love people, to be kind. He'll give us opportunities, and when we see those opportunities, we got to seize them and run in his direction. I was doing a, a wedding on Oahu, and it was at, a, at one of the hotels in Waikiki. And once the wedding was finished, you know, the, the wedding couple gave me a, a, a wonderful lay, and it was one of those lays that it, it, it's a nice lay. It was like tea leaf, and then you had some shells on it, and it was just made like really strong-looking, like manly-looking lay. Like you, you put that on, you're like, like doing haka or something. Like you, you just, it, it's just that good. You like give a chee-hoo. You just, it was just nice and, 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 and full. So I go onto the elevator, and there's some people in there, and as I walk in, uh, I noticed that they're going to go on another floor. So I'm thinking, okay, we'll be here for a while. And then the door opens, and here comes this family. Now, they're visiting Hawaii, I could tell. Uh, not only did they have, uh, you know, lays on, the welcome lays, like the orchids, the beautiful orchids, and whatever else the hotels offer, uh, but you could tell they weren't from Hawaii. 
So they're coming onto the elevator, and because there were so many of them, I know I'm going to get off soon. So I said, you know what, come in, and I'll, I'll step out that way. You know, when I get off, I'm right there in the front. And so I said, no, no, go in. I'm going to come back in. And so the family was very nice and kind. They're all, you know, oh, okay, sure, no problem. The, the only one that wasn't happy was the husband, the dad. Now, the, the mom had a lay on. The, the children had lays on, but the dad didn't. So as I said, oh, no, I looked at him. I said, I'll, I'll jump back in. I'll let you guys go in. He didn't even acknowledge me. He didn't say a word. He didn't say, oh, okay, thank you, or anything like that. So I thought, okay, here's a, here's a little issue here. So they all jump on, and the children are moping. And I don't know, if, I don't know what the problem is. Maybe they're waiting for the pool. You know, when are we going to the pool? When are we going to the pool? So maybe they're going through that. I don't know. The dad obviously is grumpy because he's just like, You can tell he's just not having a, a great time, like no, arms folded and just kind of like, like being in Hawaii, spent all his money and worthless be here. I don't know what he's thinking. But, but the mom, she was loving it. She's like, oh, we're in Hawaii. We can have a good time in the pool. She's so happy. Like, I don't know how you guys do it, women. Like, when the dads are mad, the women are like having the best time of their life. They're like, you can be miserable, but I'm going to have the best time of my life. So she's there. And so I'm, I'm watching this and, and I, I, it's, it feels like God says, here's an opportunity for you to show the aloha spirit to this man. I'm like, yeah, but he don't know me. He, you know, if I just start speaking up, I don't know him, and I don't, I don't even know how to break the ice. So he might think I'm weird or whatever it is. So uh, God says, you know what, give him your lay. I'm like, that's worse. <laughs> I'm going to give him one lay. Aloha, welcome to Hawaii. I don't know what to say. So he says, no, no. This is what you do. You, you kind of look at their family because they all had lays. And then you, you let him know that he's not left out. So I said, okay, I don't know how I'm going to do this, God. You got to help me. So, so I looked at the family and I said, hey, hey, welcome to Hawaii. They said, oh, we're so thankful to be here. And I said, so you guys got, you guys got lays? That's so good. They said, yeah. And the mom goes, yeah, we all got lays, but he didn't get one <laughs> because he's grouchy. He's grouchy. I'm thinking, lady, come on, help, work with me. I'm trying to help you in this situation. So she says, yeah, he's kind of, he's kind of grumpy. I'm like, he can hear you. <laughs> he's like right here. So, so the dad is kind of like, he sees all of this happening. So I said, you know what? Here in Hawaii, when, when I give my lay to you, what I'm, what I'm, what I'm doing is I'm, I'm exchanging like this aloha spirit. So, and I'm looking at him, and, I'm, and I explain more than that, but he's looking at me like, I didn't even know what you're talking about, so what are you about to do? I said, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you this lei. It's from me to you. It's to welcome you to Hawaii. So I give him the lei, and I said, and we hug here in Hawaii. So he, He's looking at me like, what a strange little man. <laughs> so I said, we can shake hands. So I shook his hand, I, and I said, and we bring it in. So I'm like, bring it in. I'm looking at his wife. is like, Aah! I'm like, come on. So we're done, and I know I'm getting off, so I'm, I'm fine. So I'm getting off at the elevator. I said, okay, mahalo. I see you guys later. Aloha. Have a great day. And I step off, and the family is all happy. The kids are like, yay, daddy, you got to leave. He was still grumpy. But when I got off of the elevator, he looked at me and said, hey, thank you. And it was just that simple. He said, thank you. And I said, wow, God, just, just a little bit of kindness 
you show up. Like, yeah, the opportunity was there, and it's, it didn't start off well, and someone was grumpy or whatever the case is, but I, I tell you this, when the opportunities show up, it doesn't show up pretty sometimes. Because every miracle and every time God's promise comes to pass always starts off with a problem. It's always messy from the beginning. But the end result in God's promises are simply amazing. We just need to run in His direction. And when the opportunity is presented, whether to be kind or loving or whatever it looks like, that principle is going to be applied in our life. If I ever want to be kind to Heidi, who's my wife, I, I got to practice that. And God will give opportunities. I just need to seize those moments and, and run to God, run in his, in his direction, run towards the things of God. See, there's a goal when, when God says, I have the plans, I know the plans that I have for you. It's his promises. He wants his promises to bless our life. So there's a goal with God. It's like any sporting game. Without a goal, how do you know who wins or how do you, how do you know if you're progressing? And if there's no goal, what fun is the game? In basketball, you have two baskets. One is yours, one is the other team. You, you cannot say to the referee or even with the rules, you know what, that one is too far. I'm going I'm to shoot this basket more close. In, plus, nobody here. Everybody's on that side. Nobody's going to block my shot. I'll, I'll shoot on this one. It doesn't work that way. In soccer, there's a goal. You kick the ball in the goal. You can kick it in that direction and miss the goal and say it was pretty close. So don't I get like a half a point? Can I, it, it, it hit the bar. It didn't go in, but can I get like a quarter of a point? No, there are certain rules when it comes to getting the points with goals. And so it is with God. Before every promise, there is a premise. You may not agree with the things of God. You may not agree how he presents it. You may not agree with how the opportunity is shown, but God is looking for the end result. He's looking for the goal in mind. He's saying, here's something that I want to do in your life, but you got to run to me. You got to be able to see what I see rather than pick and choose how you want me to deliver my promises. See, God's promises in our life causes us to understand how good he is. If we just try to understand God and not understand that he actually has promises, all we're going to see is negative in our world. But when we look to God and his promises, knowing that his promises come to pass, when we understand this, it draws us near to him. And when we run to him, and we stay close to him, he'll provide opportunities, we'll seize it, we'll apply what he's asking of us, and we'll see his promises come to pass. Whenever God gives us that opportunity, seize that opportunity. Although it comes with an, if you do this, then I'll do this, that's like anything we do in life. If you do this, then here's the reward. If you work here, you're going to receive a paycheck. So the principle is pretty much everywhere we are. If you run the ball across this goal line, you will have a reward of six points in football. If you score on this basket, 
If it's basketball, you get two points or three points or one if it's a free throw. There's always an if before the promise, before the goal, before the reward. And so it is with God. He says, if this takes place, then I will do this. That's his promise to us. But here's the good news. With, with the promises of God comes his power. And we need his power because without his power, we will not be able to sustain his promises. Sometimes we say, God, I just want your promises. Give me your promises and that's it. God says, my promises are too big for you. The dreams that I have for you are too big. The plans that I have for you are for your good, not for evil. It's to give you a future and a hope. In other words, his, the plans that God has for us are far greater than our very own for ourselves. And he says, you're going to need my power in order to sustain them. That's why he says in John chapter 14, verses 16 and 17, Jesus prays this. He says, I, I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. That's why we celebrate the Savior in this season, because God came to be with us. You're going to hear the word Emmanuel, which means God with us. That's why we celebrate Christmas, because God gave us his son, not to just dwell with us, but to dwell in us. He gave us his power. And if you've ever felt distant from God, it was not God who left. It is usually us who, has, who have left him. There's this thing in a marriage called silent treatment. See, you know what it is, or any relationship. It's called silent treatment. You can be here in the same room with the person, but you're so distant. The best is when someone brings something up and then you grumble about it and then they say, I don't want to talk about it anymore. Isn't that so great? They say, wait a minute, you brought it up. Can't we finish the conversation? No, I'm done. I'm done. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Well, you brought it up. No, well, I'm done. You can't stop three quarters of the way there. It's like no, no sports game does that. It's like, oh, we're down by two points. Quit. Wait, what? No, I'm, I'm done already. What do you mean you're done? Yeah, I'm done. Yeah, base is loaded, bottom of the ninth, ah, pow, I done. It's like, no, you want to see what happens afterwards. But sometimes we're like that with God. We give him the silent treatment. And we say to him, you know, I'm done. Because this didn't happen, this didn't happen, this didn't happen, I'm done. Imagine if Mary and Elizabeth came to that point to say that, no, you know what, God, you're not doing your part, so I'm done with you. Elizabeth would not have experienced her child. And you know her, who her child was? John the Baptist. That, that was Elizabeth's child, John the Baptist. He was the, he was the last prophet of the Old Testament before Jesus came. And then he prepared the way for Jesus. How important was that role? And then for Mary, for her to say, I'm done. No, she said, be it done unto me as you have said it would. They ran to God. They stayed close to him. They never quit. They saw the opportunities and they seized it and they stayed close to God. Sometimes we stay closer to people who are far from God than God himself. And I thought, Lord, we got we to gotta draw close to you because the farther I am from you, God, the, the further I am from your promises because you have them readily available. Elizabeth encourages Mary. Mary hurried and did not waste time with the things of God and she stayed close to him. 
and she continued to run in his direction. When, when Elizabeth encourages Mary, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. Do you know how far encouragement goes when you encourage someone? When Heidi and I uh, were younger, we had, we had our child when we, were in the, when, when we were in high school, so we were teenage parents, but it was her parents that encouraged us to continue so that we could have God's promises. We didn't understand that then, but then we began to understand that as time went on. See, God, God never leaves us. He, he, he's the kind of God who says, I'm going to stick by your side. That's why in the book of Hebrews, chapter 13, verses 5 and 6, he says, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, I, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? He doesn't leave us. Therefore, here's the second thing. We can have great confidence in God because he's that faithful. We can have great confidence in him. That's why we can seize those moments because we can have confidence in God. Isn't it amazing that the more important something is, the less we want to give others control over it. Sometimes people label us as control freaks. But when, when, when it's an area where we may lack the ability, the expertise or the wisdom or education or even power, it's like we don't have an option. We'll give it away because we don't, we don't know how to do what needs to be done. And so we give that control away. We just need to have the confidence in the person who we're giving that control to. When, when I was in the seventh grade, I broke my arm. I had to go to the doctors. I could not do this myself. So I had to give control over to the doctor. He looked at my arm and he says, okay, we're going to have to put a cast on it. And he numbed it, sat me down, called the receptionist over and said, can you help me? Now I'm thinking, wait a minute, you went to medical school. Where is this lady from? Like, what, how, how does she know what to do? And he says, no, 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 she's just going to hold your arm. And so he tells her, uh, could you just hold his arm, and then I'm just going to snap it back into place. Now, they're talking. I'm like, oh, brother, talk to me too. Like, what do you want me to do? He said, oh, you just got to relax. And then she's going to hold on to you. And then he puts his foot on, the, on my chair and holds on to my arm. And I'm thinking, I don't think they taught you that in medical school, but what, like, what are you going to do? He says, I'm, I need to snap it back in place so that it can heal properly. And so he looks at the nurse. He says, brace yourself. I'm like, brace what about me? Like, i got to brace myself too. He says, no, no, you'll be fine. Just relax. And he says, one, two, three. And he snaps it back into place. And I was like, And so he puts a cast on it. Six weeks later, healed. Now, I could have grumbled with the doctor. I could have said, look, this is not professional. This lady does not have a resume that she showed me. Show me her medical records. I mean, her, 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 her certificate. I, I don't know. I don't know who she is. Like, you need to, I don't have confidence in this situation. But I, I, I had to trust that he knew what he was doing. Because here's what the doctor was looking forward to. Now, the method might have been kind of, you know, shaky. But he wasn't concerned about the method so much more than the miracle of the healing. God is not so much concerned about the the way the promise is going to come to pass or the method in which he uses, he's looking for the end result. That's what God is looking for. 
He wants to bless us with his promises. But sometimes we fight him because we don't agree with how he's doing it. And God, if you did it like this, then it would be so much better. You may not agree with how God releases his promises to you or how he delivers it, but he will always do what's best for you and I. He will always do what's best. Hebrews 13, excuse me, 1035 says, Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. See, our confidence is in God. He says, don't throw that away because there's a reward with it. And both Mary and Elizabeth received a great reward because their confidence was not in their circumstances. It was highly dependent on the Lord. Their confidence was in the Lord. I want to encourage you, be an Elizabeth to someone. Be an encourager to someone. Be that kind of person so that people who may need that encouragement will be able to be in, in the process of receiving God's promises. And maybe they may become who God is making them to be because of your encouragement. Have confidence in God and whatever he's doing in your life as well as other people. Not what you want, not what you desire, but in, in God and what he wants because he's the one who has the power to see all of these things come to pass. And then the last thing, not just have your confidence in God, but you're going to have to hold on to the hope of his promises. It's so easy to just let it go and say, God, you didn't, you didn't do this. It took you five years, God, and, and this is five years now and, and nothing came to pass. God, you said you were going to do this. It's not happening. No, you hang on to the hope of his promises. That's what, that's what the, applica the application is all about. You're, you're applying things that God taught you. And whenever you apply something that God teaches you, he's right by your side to give you the power in which to come to his promises. And, and you will never be able to hold on to the promises of God unless you are in the application stage. Because before every promise, there is a premise. There's something on our part that we get to do. In Elizabeth's case, her response was the hope Mary was looking for. When the angel said, hey, this is going to happen, you're going to give birth to the Son of God. And by the way, Mary, if you need encouragement, just to let you know, you know your cousin Elizabeth, who, who is barren, she's going to have a son. And Mary was like, wait, wait a minute. Let me, go, let me go see this. She hurried and she checked this out. And when she saw that Elizabeth was going to have a child. It's like, boy, I, I can hang on to your promises, God. I can hold on to that hope because I see what you're doing, that everything you said would come to pass. That's why Mary asked the angel, how can this happen? He said, the, the Holy Spirit is going to overshadow you and you're going to give birth. And people used to say that Elizabeth was barren, but she has conceived, for nothing is impossible with God. See, God will often put an Elizabeth in your life. And he will also often, often at, at times, help you become an Elizabeth to someone else. See, I, I can come home from 10 discouraging things that people said towards me. And if Heidi says one discouraging thing, it outweighs the 10 that everyone else said. On the other hand, I can get 10 discouraging 10 discouraging things or encouraging things. And when I come, come home and Heidi says one encouraging thing, it outweighs even the 10 encouraging things people said. 
Why? Because the people who are closest to us makes more of an impact on what they say. And so it is with the encouragement that you may give to someone, that when you encourage them, it helps them to see that there is hope and that maybe they too could hold on to the promises of God. Maybe someone, maybe a friend is, is like an Elizabeth to you. They'll encourage you. And maybe, maybe you experience 10 discouraging things, but when you come home, even if your spouse were to say one encouraging thing, it just erases all the 10 negative things. And vice versa, it happens. Someone can say 10 positive things, but those who are close to you say one negative thing, it brings you that much down and that much further. See, our words matter. And when Elizabeth said these words to Mary, and when Mary greeted Elizabeth, both of them were able to be encouraged. That's why Elizabeth said, the moment you greeted me, the baby leaped in my womb. In other words, not only did I receive that, but so did my child, the Holy Spirit. It's like kind of like said, this son of yours is going to be the person I'm making him to be. See, God's promises are not just for us. It's for everyone else too. And it could have been something, maybe God spoke to you something today. Maybe he's encouraging you right now. Maybe he spoke something to your heart and you have more hope than when you first came in. That's, that's God trying to encourage us because there is always hope because we have a God who can be trusted. That's why Hebrews 10 tells us, verse 23 through 25, to let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. That's the application part, the good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. We get to run to God, stay close to him, have great confidence in him, and see that it's his promises that we hold on to. That's the hope of his promises that he, what he said is going to happen. He cannot lie. Trust in God because he is able to keep his promises. Amen. And close your Bibles and put away your notes. As I said earlier, Heidi and I, we had our son while we were in high school. And probably the most difficult thing, if, if you know of anyone or if you went through that uh, difficult time in your life or maybe even as a teenage parent, those years are difficult, or whatever difficulties you may go through. Maybe it's a, a health issue, or, or maybe it's uh, finances. Could be anything. We, we all have different stories. But for Heidi and I, in that season that we were in, it was her family that encouraged us, specifically her mother and father. Because of her mother and father encouraging us, then we were able to see who we could become. And because they, they were able to encourage us, I, could begin to, I, I began to see the promises of God come to pass. In fact, I used to think the promises of God was, were, were things, you know, tangible things. I'm going to get a paycheck in the mail. I'm gonna, someone's going to give me money. Uh, I'm going to get these things. But really what I've been learning is that the promises of God was more than a list. Because I used to focus on the list. What, what can God do for me? But what I've learned is this. 
when I'm able to let go of my list and instead of focusing on my list, focus on the Lord, then I'm able to see the opportunity. Otherwise, it passes me by. Then I could seize it and then apply. And at this point, once I begin to apply, it's like you're not even concerned about what God can give to you because you're so thankful for who he is. And when you're thankful for who he is and you receive his promises, you begin to understand that it's more about him than it is us because God cannot lie. And he has a promise for every single one of us. I want to encourage you today, let go of your list of even possibilities and hold on to the promises of God by focusing on him. And when you do, you'll be blessed. We see that in Mary's life and in Elizabeth's life. You'll be blessed because you believe that the Lord would fulfill his promises to you. Seize the opportunities of God by living out his promises today. Would you pray with me? Lord, your promises, yes, they're a blessing. But what is even greater is you. Help us to focus on you more than we do a list of things. And when we focus on you, that, that helps us to hold on to your promises. That as we run to you and stay close to you, we'll be content in you. That we'll be free in you because our confidence will be in you. We can hold on to the hope that you promised for us because it's all about you. So I pray this morning for all of us, Lord, especially for those who may not know you yet. Maybe, they're, maybe that's what they've been looking for. They've been looking for just your promises, but the greatest promise is you. And you might be here this morning and you're saying, I, I don't have a relationship with God, so I don't know about his promises. Well, I want to encourage you, probably the first step is to receive Jesus into your life. And it's a prayer that you pray that when you pray it, you're saying, Lord, I, I want to receive you into my life. I want to receive eternal life. And if you're here today and you're saying, I want to give Jesus my heart, and you've never said this before, I'm going to ask you to lift a hand and I'll pray with you. And you're saying, I want Jesus in my life today. If that's you, would you just lift a hand and you're acknowledging that I, I want Jesus in my life. I want to give him my heart. I, I want his promise of eternal life. I want him. Yeah, God sees you. Absolutely. God bless you. God bless you right here, right there, right here. Yeah, God sees you. Yeah, God sees you. Okay. You can put your hands down. Lord, even as believers, boy, we, we, we sometimes get, get into a messy season. Or sometimes we forget how good you are. So, Lord, can you remind us about not just your promises, but to stay close to you? That we can run to you, but that we would stay close to you. That we would also have great confidence in you and hold on to the hope of your promises. And if that's you this morning as a believer, you're saying, Lord, that's me. Would you just lift a hand? And you're just responding to the Lord. That's us, Lord. So we thank you for your word. You can put your hands down. Let's pray this prayer together, especially for those who are saying yes to Jesus for the first time. As I pray this, you just include your heart. And here's our prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for dying on the cross 
and rising from the grave to give me hope and a future. I trust you and I thank you for your promises. Help me to stay focused on you as my Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. And we all said together, amen. Can we welcome these that said yes to Jesus this morning?